When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of Spirit of 67 podcast. Um, I am Lee Wilmer. I'm joined by QPR reporter Phil Spencer, who yes. has uh, just got back from Derby. How many you feel? I have indeed. It was a, it was a lovely trip up there, which I'm we're going to go sure into in a, a little bit more detail soon. Uh, and we've also got Fulham writer Ryan O'Donovan with us, who has uh, just got back from Sheffield as well. A crazy night in Sheffield, Ryan. It was, and I still don't know how to describe it, so let's do QPR. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, Phil, 2-0 um, defeat at Derby County. Mm. Was it as shocking as it sounds? Yes. <laughs> Next question. Um, yeah, it was. Tell, um, tell us about it, Phil. It was. Uh, it was just poor from start to finish. To be honest, it was. Um, I think in in the last few weeks, uh, QPR have been struggling to um, to find a system that works for them um, in in these matches. And um, last night saw another change in in system with QPR going with a five four one system. Um, I think the, the the focus was on keeping Derby out at the other end and it was um, it, it just seemed very much that in the first half the focus was on damage limitation more than anything it was on trying to um, basically just playing for a, a nil-nil is what it what it looked like um, is, is there anything wrong with that going away from home at a relatively strong Derby side you, you obviously think QPR should be doing more than that well I think I think what happened last night just proved what can go wrong with it and it was one it was one defensive lapse just before half time which ultimately cost them um, they'd been they'd been fairly secure through the first half it was um, I think the game had gone exactly how Ian Holloway would have wanted uh, during the first 45 minutes but then um, yeah a momentary lapse um, a counter attack by Derby and uh, the game turns on its head just before half time and when you've got players on the pitch who uh, put on there in a 5-4-1 formation and then suddenly you've got to go and chase the game then you suddenly um were extremely on the, on the back foot at that point so I think I just think it's a dangerous game going out and playing for a, a nil-nil and I'm sure if you spoke to Ian Holloway he'd, he'd say that that wasn't the intention but it it was it, it was becomes, um, it becomes difficult then when you when you go one nil down you can't change the way you're playing you can't change mm-hmm. you've only got three players you can change the personnel with um, from the substitutes bench so yeah it, 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 as you say it becomes damage limitation that you, you can't really affect the game any more than that mm-hmm. and it, it was tricky because um, there was he, he made some, some calls in, it, in his team selection a lot of them were enforced but um, he chose to play uh, David Wheeler up front on his own he's not a he's not a natural out and out striker um, Jamie Mackey was in the team as well and he was playing on the right but then you would you would Silla you would Washington and you would Matt Smith all on the bench um, and then obviously when you go 1-0 down at half time you really want some out and out strikers on the pitch to try and get you back into it and we didn't actually see any of those strikers from the bench until the 60th minute by which point the the game was dead and buried with uh, Derby getting their second goal in the 53rd minute 
Um, so yeah, but it was just a disappointing night. Um, I think the, the goals either side of half time just completely knocked the stuffing out of uh, out of QPR. And yeah, the second half was just um, a bit of a non-event. I don't think Derby got out of second gear. They were just very much in control and probably could have added um, a couple more goals to the tally on the night. Let's bring Ryan in. Um, is it is it should QPR be aiming for more than a nil-nil draw at Derby? Um, how, how do you feel about going going away? And, I, and I don't see a, a problem with it if you've got you've got a team like QPR who, let's be honest, they're not full of attacking threat. They're not the most technically gifted side in the division. If you're struggling on your away form like QPR are, you know I think it's 16 now without a win, is it? Mm-hmm. If you're struggling like that, they've got a good home record at the moment. So if you go away from home, grind out a nil-nil draw, you pick up a point. You know, you go back to Loftus Road and you get your three points with your home games. You're going to end the season pretty strongly. So, I don't necessarily see anything wrong with it if if it happens. If, if it, it happens, comes if it comes off, then great. I mean, you look back at the Ireland game in Denmark, which you know you watch. He went for a nil-nil and it worked. But if it doesn't work and you set up for it and you go one-nil down on the yeah. stroke of half time, where you've got to change a team team. Um, talk and everything like that then you are looking at trouble especially if you're not playing one of your you know you're not playing any strikers you're playing five in midfield you're just looking to contain if you fail to contain you're in trouble and I think that's what happened with QPR once they went to go down the game was finished I think the I think the disappointment was um, I think you're right I mean you go away to Derby and Derby Derby's certainly not an easy place to go and no one would have expected QPR to uh, to go and take the game to Derby and, and get a victory but I think it was the fact that the first half was very much playing it safe, going for a nil-nil, and then there was no there was no plan B there. Once that goal had gone in, it was like, well, that's that's that game ruined, and um, like there was no intention to like to try and get back into it. And the second half was just completely flat. No one was, everyone had given up. No one was like pushing forward. No one was um, like trying to to get a goal because even when you get it back to two-one, then it's game on again, isn't it? But um, it was just a really flat second half, and I think that's what was. The most disappointing about it, the fact that they, they went down with uh, something of a whimper. How did the fans react? Not, ha- not happily, um, <laughs> as you'd imagine. Um, stupid question. Yeah, very stupid question. <laughs> but I'll, uh, I'll entertain, I'll I'll, I'll entertain it anyway. Um, <laughs> no, it was. Um, yeah, the, the fans naturally weren't very happy. Um, you were looking on social media during the first half, and everyone was like, "How? Like, why on earth are we playing like five four one? It's just. It, it, it seems to me that." They've almost like run out of ideas for, for how to how to go about winning these kind of games. He's like the, the tinkered with the uh, the system so much within the last few weeks. And five four one, I, I just think it was a little bit. I think you're just playing with fire when you are when you are playing for uh, for a nil nil draw, and when you, when you don't have a striker on the pitch, you've got no um, you've got no outlet on there. So even when they were trying to to counter, you would Jamie Mackey who was coming from relatively deep on the right hand side you've got um, Yeni Bakoto on the uh, on the left hand side um, who um, thank you um, on the left hand side and he's he's barely played this season so he, he's not much fit he's not high in confidence and there was just there was just no threat and well that, that showed in the fact that QPR didn't have a shot on target until the 91st minute which was ridiculous do you think when QPR set up like that away from home it tells a story that Ian Holloway perhaps doesn't think his players are up to matching teams like Derby yeah, I, th- I think it does, but I think that's that's the problem. But you, you need to, yeah, you, you go into Derby, but you, you need to you need to back yourself in these kind of games. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, playing playing for a nil nil draw. I mean, there's, it's one thing trying to keep things tight, but you need to have a plan to, to catch them on the, on the counter. You need to have an outlet who would go right. If we can soak up the pressure, we can hit them on like hit hit them quickly on the break, um, like down the flanks, or have 
a striker, someone like Matt Smith, who's in, in the penalty area, you know he's there, you can lump the ball into him, and at least that's someone who you know that you've got an option. But David Wheelie was he was playing up front and he was he was just he was he was largely ineffective, but I don't think that was necessarily his fault because they just weren't playing to they weren't playing to his his strengths. Uh, they were like trying to lump the ball up to him and he's not he's not the biggest guy, so he was he was struggling in the air, he was getting knocked knocked for six by Richard Keogh and Curtis Davies in, in defence as well. And um, yeah, it just seemed like a bit of a, a thankless task for him. The um, people will argue that a five-four-one um, can easily be changed into a three-four-three if you've got the personnel. Um, and it strikes me that QPR don't really—they can't easily um, merge into that that three-four-three attacking formation uh, from a five-four-one. Yeah, I think um, I think last night there was. The one, the one key miss was Massimo Luongo, who was uh, who was missing through illness, and he he's he's definitely been QPR's best player so far this season. I think I um I saw someone on Twitter um yesterday afternoon saying, "Oh, Massimo Luongo's out. There's no point in going to Derby now." seems to be the feeling among amongst the Chris, uh, Crystal Palace QPR fans. Yeah. Um, that I mean, the he, Crystal um, Palace fans might be. <laughs> yeah, well, they might, but, they um, might want him. You never know. <laughs> Um, he's that influential. <laughs> he's, um, no, he's, he is. All jokes aside, he is that. He is that important to the way that QPR play. He's, he's the player who will turn defence into attack. He'll, he'll, he's the one. He's got um, the, the best record for, for successful tackles in the championship so far this this season. And he's the player who's gonna, yeah, turn turn defence into attack. And I think that the problem that QPR have is that they've got no creative presence in that team other than Luke Freeman and Luke Freeman has been in, in my opinion like really quiet over the last few weeks whether it's that people have figured out that he's the, the main creative outlet that may be what it is but he's being marked out of games and when, when he's marked out of games there's no one else really who can create anything and that's, that seems to be a problem so. um, Injuries, let's talk about injuries they're, they're piling up um, mm-hmm. as you've said in uh, one of your pieces this morning um, Joel Lynch, the latest to be added to the list. I, th- I think it'll be quicker to tell you the players that are fit. <laughs> actually, um, <laughs> yeah, no, they, they are um, they are piling up. Yeah, Joel Lynch went off at half time. Um, they're saying it's a suspected foot injury. Um, there's, a, there's a little bit of leniency, I suppose, for, for that goal that they conceded just before half time uh, because um, it was uh, Vyman on the right hand side who outpaced Joel Lynch who. To be fair, probably would have outpaced him anyway. But when he's carrying an injury as well, it was um, there was people saying that that could have been a reason why why that happened. But um, yeah, it looks like he's going to be out for a little while. It's not it's not confirmed how long yet. But I can't see him being fit for uh, the the clash with Brentford next Monday, which means that QPR are a little bit um, yeah up up the creek without a, a paddle in terms of defenders because they've got three fit defenders at the moment, none of whom are centre backs. So it's uh, slim pickings. There at the moment, but unfortunate for, for Ian Holloway. Um, it's, it's a difficult situation he finds himself in with three straight defeats. And I suppose when things aren't going for you, they're really not going for you, are they? The, these things tend to happen when you're when you're struggling. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do I do sympathise with uh, with that and with the the amount of injuries in in defence because yeah they are, they are missing a number of key defenders and so so maybe maybe last night there would have been more solid in defence, but. Ultimately, I think it's going forward is where I'm more worried about the about the team because there's no creativity there, and we don't have any injuries going forward. Everyone who is ava- who is there is available to play, but they're just not performing at the moment, and that's more what the the worry is. There's so much of a if you can't score goals, then there's so much of an emphasis on keeping clean sheets. But then when you do have these injuries, it's hard that you can 
you can't do that and then that make that just makes it harder to uh, to, to grind out a victory if, if, if you do have a, a young defence out on the pitch How difficult can it be for a team to cope Ryan because we've mentioned on previous Fulham podcasts that <laughs> last couple of years Fulham haven't had a lot of injuries to deal with and, and they've benefited from that but this season you, you can kind of tell that Fulham have, have started to struggle because they've had a number of injuries this year Yeah I mean you can plan and plan and plan you can plan formations you can plan who you want to play you can plan different things for different scenarios but you can't plan injuries and you can't plan around injuries you don't know when they're going to happen you, you know when they happen you've got to adjust to it quickly and in QPR sense where they've had so many injuries with defence it is a massive problem for them and there's not really much they can do about it you know they, they've got to try to do something about it when you've got three fit defenders and their full backs they're going to struggle defensively at, 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 at centre back so I think another reasoning of Holloway looking to set up last night on Tuesday night to, for the nil-nil is to make sure his side is defensively strong even though they're not mm-hmm. with the centre backs that they want you know so it gives them the chance to, to put, put players in doesn't it Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, I've, yeah, I think in terms of um, if, if you were playing devil's advocate on um, <clears throat> on that system last night, you play, you're playing five in defence. But if you've got like frail season defence anyway, and if, the, if you don't have that many fit defenders, then you could say, well, why not focus it elsewhere and try and use the attacking players who you do have fit to try and take mm-hmm. the game to the opposition a little bit more. I mean, that that is just playing devil's advocate because if you do if you do that, obviously you've got the potential that you are going to get taken apart. But um, like playing five defenders when you don't have that many fits, it can be can be risky to put all your eggs in in one basket, so to speak. Do yeah. you think QPR have youngsters available in the defensive areas that could come into the side, or do you think Holloway isn't trusting of their their youth crop? Um, I, th- I think he is trusting of them. Um, I think there's, there's certainly options there. I mean, QPR have got um, the they're under 23s team is doing particularly well this season. They've got a couple of players in there who are doing really well at that level and that's that's the key thing it's at that level but yeah. in this situation you it's, it's it's very much going to be sink or swim it sounds like if there's not many other options in terms of people um like playing in the defense unless unless they rejig things in the in the squad and i don't know they could put like josh scowen drop him back into defense if he's at least defensively minded you, you don't really know but um yeah i mean there's, there's the likes of giles phillips he's been he, he signed over the summer he's uh, an american young so he's like 19 years old um, and he's been doing really well for the under 23 so he's one player who could come in uh, they've got Nico Hamalainen who's a Finland under 21 international who's also been doing well for, for the under 23s um, at QPR so they're, they're two options uh, both players who've got high high potential in the game but it's, I think it is just going to be a case of sink or swim for them I think I think Ian Holloway he does have faith in them to uh, to come in, but at the same time, even if he didn't, he, he wouldn't have much of a choice in it really at this point. It's a bit of swings and roundabouts, isn't it? They're, they're stuck in a rut, so three three straight defeats, things can't get much worse. So you can throw a youngster in, and it's not going to be too much of an issue if they if they were to lose again. It's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it is an issue if they lose again, mm-hmm. but if they've lost three in a row, then the youngster can go in there and, and not be put under the microscope so much. Mm-hmm. But at the same time do you want them to, to go into that situation? Do you, would you prefer to go and put them in when you're comfortably mid-table or mm-hmm. up towards the top so they can have a bit of an easier ride? Mm-hmm. I, th- I, think that, I think that's it. I mean, let's be honest, I think Brentford at home in the league is probably the last game that you're wanting to uh, to throw these uh, these youngsters into as their, their first, or like one of their first few um, first-team appearances. I think it's... Um, 
there's going to be so much scrutiny on that game. Obviously, fans have got um, a vested interest in it. They they want to beat Brentford on the night. If they if they don't beat Brentford, it's gonna it's not going to be taken well. Um, but I suppose that if they are playing and if if one of those youngsters does come into the other uh, starting lineup, you just kind of hope that the QPR fans know that they're in there out of necessity rather than because that they're, they're necessarily like deemed to be good enough. If if they do make a mistake on the night, it could be it could be detrimental to to their confidence and to their development. But hopefully, if um, if everyone knows the situation that the club are in and if they are forced into playing those kind of um, young defenders and hopefully everyone can get behind them and uh, try and guide them through the match as best as they can and that's the thing if you bring a youngster in the, the fans have got to support them they can't get on their back can mm-hmm. they for, for every little thing because that it just can mm-hmm. completely knock the confidence mm-hmm. um, you mentioned Brentford there let's, let's take a take a look at um, ahead to, to Monday night in front of the cameras mm-hmm. um, a big West London derby can QPR turn it around for uh, for Monday I mean You've got. To, they probably can. It would. It would be very QPR to <laughs> yeah. uh, to lose to lose these games and then uh, and then grind out a victory against Brentford and uh, everything. Everything goes back to being rosy at Loftus Road again once that happens. Um, I think. I think Brentford. They're they're a good team. Um, they showed what they could do when um, when QPR played them in the Carabao Cup at the end of August. They are they are pacey up front. Uh, they do they do have goals in them as well, and so it, it will be a difficult test for them. But I think if QPR can. And keep things tight and, and try and suffocate them at, um, at Loftus Road. That's going to be where the game's won and lost. But I think ultimately, it for me, it depends on the first half an hour of the game. I think if Brentford got an early goal um, with, with confidence being particularly low at Loftus Road anyway and within the QPR squad, you could, you could see it being that if Brentford did get an early goal, head, heads dropping again like they did last night. And then if that happened, it could get messy. But hopefully QPR will have enough... Um, enough character and they'll be able to build themselves up enough for it I mean it's a West London derby if you can't get yourself up for a game like that what what games can you get yourself up for so hopefully they're uh, like up and ready for the occasion and, um, and ready to take on whatever challenge comes to them You mentioned the Carabao Cup game Holloway said after that that it wasn't his proper team playing mm-hmm. And you'd have to they'd wait until they played him next time. Has he got a proper team really to play this time? Has he got <laughs> a proper team to play for and has he shot himself in the foot a bit saying that? Um. You'd you'd have said so if, um, if if he had a fully fit squad this time. It just kind of like puts the pressure on him to say, "Oh well, here's my fully fit squad. Let's see what they can do." But in a way, he's almost got an excuse, like locked and loaded, ready for after the game, hasn't he? It's like, well, we've got no fit defenders. I'm playing a 19 year old at centre back who hasn't played in in the championship before. So you could see that happening. That if if QPR didn't get the victory against Brentford, then that that excuse is there and, and ready to go. But yeah, I don't think those comments after the Brentford game necessarily helped him and I think it will add a little bit of scrutiny onto him after the game as well because we, we know for example Tom, our Brentford reporter he he, he he picked up on those comments by by Holloway after that game and you can imagine that if, uh, if QPR don't win that game he'll come back and say well you've had the chance to play your best team how, how did that go kind of thing so um, it's, it's, it's a difficult one for, for Ian Holloway and you, you do have to sympathise with the uh, the, the states of his squad at the moment, but you can, yeah, you can, you can only do what you can do. He can just battle his best team that he's got available and um, and hope for the best. Does the way Brentford play football, you know, they're they're, they're good attacking side. They like to pass the ball about. Does that worry you in terms of QPR's defence that they might, you know, seeing as they're not going to be playing people in positions, they might get picked off a bit and tracking runners and tracking men. Possibly, yeah. I mean, the the confusion comes with um, we, we mentioned before that. QPR don't have any 
fit centre back. So you've you've got people playing out of position. You've got Alex Baptista's in there. He's he's played right back for a lot of his career. Jack Robinson is a left back. Um, there's no there's no doubting that. But he's been playing at centre back, and the confusion comes when you've got people breaking on you with pace and you're playing out of position. You, you don't know where you're meant to be to um, <laughs> to track them or to to handle them. Um, as best you can so it could be difficult I mean yeah Brentford are particularly pacey on, on the counter and if, if they do if they do catch QPR under break you could see there being a little bit of confusion if people are playing out of position and if you've got youngsters coming into the team and you've got a unit who haven't necessarily played together and they don't have that um, that chemistry together you could see it being difficult but hopefully if, um, if Massimo Luan goes back um, you can get go back to that um, that tried and tested formula in midfield of Luongo, Scoen and Freeman and then hopefully they can ease the burden and if they can stop the ball getting into the defensive third um, it's not going to happen all night but if they can do it as much as they can then hopefully they can just try and take the heat off the defence as much as possible and the way Brentford play football they like to control possession and stuff like that I, it might suit QPR in letting them have more of the ball and letting them break on them but seeing as QPR at home do you think the home fans might get on their backs a bit if they see Brentford dominating the ball like they like to. I don't think so. I think, to be honest, I mean, like, I think like you said, that's um, that, that's playing into QPR's hands a little bit. I mean, when, when Wolves were at Loftus Road a couple of um, a couple of weeks back, um, it seems like ages ago now. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was only a couple of weeks back. My God, I'm getting old quick. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, it was a couple of weeks back, and they were there. And Wolves are by far the best passing side in the Championship. I think everyone everyone knows that. But what QPR did on the day was they, they stopped them playing. They um, they made sure that they didn't have time on the ball to pick out the the, the killer passes, which are going to like um, break open QPR's defence. And it's, it's just going to be a case of doing a similar thing with Brentford. They are they are a good passing side, but if uh, Luongo and Freeman and Scoan can can stop them getting on the ball in midfield, put them under pressure, they don't have time to pick out that killer ball to to Wally Watkins or whoever it is that's uh, bombing on down the uh, down the flank. Then hopefully that can put them under pressure and um, force them back, pen, pen uh, Brentford into their own area, and then QPR can nick a goal that way. And that, that's what they've tried to do at Loftus Road. And as you mentioned before, that's that's something which has proved effective for QPR for large spells this season at home. Is it going to be spicy? Oh, it's going to be spicy. <laughs> that's just in, forward that, to it. That's just in the press box. That's, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I could see it being, uh, I could see it being a spicy one. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully, just QPR have got something to uh, to cheer from it. They've, they haven't had a, a good time in in the derby so far this this season. Obviously, with the Fulham result, um, they, they played they played fairly well against Fulham, and some would argue that they were unfortunate not to get something against um, against them. But again, against Brentford in the in the cup, they they were out of the game after about twenty minutes. So you just kind of hope that if they can get off to a good start. Um, it can it can lift the crowd um, because the, the fans at Loftus Road they're outstanding when they are on on the front foot and so hopefully if they can get them on side early on get an early goal or at least um, frustrate Brentford for for large spells and hopefully that can lift them and guide them to victory. There are similarities between Fulham and Brentford though. When Fulham played at QPR, you know they controlled a lot of that game. You had midfield playing the ball passes like that, and there are comparisons you could compare Tom Kearney's passing range to that of Ryan Woods mm-hmm. and Ryan Woods is going to sit in that midfield mm-hmm. and he's going to find passes mm-hmm. left, right and centre how mm-hmm. do you think QPR can deal with that seeing as they didn't deal with Fulham particularly well until that last 10 minutes yeah I mean it's um, they, they have done it fairly well for, for large I think Q, QPR know to an extent they know the limitations they know they're not a team that are going to have 
60% possession. They're not the side that's going to be able to like pass, pass, move, break teams down that way. They, they know what the strengths are, and the strengths are that they've got a really good work ethic and they're good at putting teams under pressure. So all they can do in this situation is try and stop people like Ryan Woods getting on the ball. Um, Ryan Woods is a, is a good player, but you can, if, if you've got Luongo and Freeman uh, pressing him constantly during that game, he's got, he's, he could get pressed into a mistake, uh, turn into a a blind alley get picked up on the ball and then and then QPR are on the attack and that, that's what they've done particularly well at home this season so hopefully if they can do that again then then they, then they might have a chance but if they put too much emphasis on stopping Ryan Woods that then allows other rental players to play you know you've got Romain Sawyers in there who's mm-hmm. one of the best attacking players in the midfield in the championship mm-hmm. if they emphasise too much on one player could that be QPR's downfall it could be, it could be, but I think what what they do is it, it's not just a case of those uh, those midfield three doing the pressing. It's um, it's something that they try to get every, like all all players in in the QPR team from one to eleven doing it. So um, whether it's a player that um, if it's a Brentford have got the ball at, at left back, they've got they might have Jamie Mackey on the right hand side who's going to put him under pressure, and then he passes it into centre back, and you might have Connor Washington bearing in on him, and it just kind of puts them under pressure. They'll get tired, and it can ultimately force them into into mistakes, and that that is where QPR have prospered so far this season and if they can do that again it's, it's worked against other teams so there's no reason why it can't really work against Brentford and one assumes the QPR fans will uh, get straight on Neil Mopai's uh, back from kickoff after that horrendous miss uh, oh, against yeah. Cardiff at the weekend oh yeah no, I, th- I think it's going to be a case of uh, any, any try way, and put him off as much as they can yeah I think so I think en- any way that um, QPR can get a competitive advantage I think, I think the fans are going to be a, a big part of it if, if QPR are going to get a win then the fans are going to be like the the proverbial 12th man on the day they're going to be the, the people that guide them to victory they need to keep the, the, the team aren't in a particularly confident place at the moment so I think the, the need is for the fans to, to stay on side even if even if QPR went 1-0 down after 10-15 minutes the fans need to stay on side because if they turn the QPR players confidence drops and then, then it can get messy but if they stay on side well then there's no reason why QPR can't stick to the guns and then grind out a result in the end you mentioned Mopai's miss against Cardiff he scored against them in the, against QPR in the League Cup he scored yeah. an absolute belter of a goal so you know going back to Loftus Road that might give him a little bit of a, an extra boost to say mm-hmm. well I've done it here mm-hmm. once before I can easily do it again against mm-hmm. them absolutely and uh, Tom's always mentioning about it being the, uh, the Josh Clark arena which oh, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone's everyone's heard him calling it that but uh, yeah hopefully uh Hopefully they can keep Josh Clark quiet as well. And um, the Massimo Luongo arena come Monday evening. Absolutely, yeah. I'll wait, wait till wait till they go to Griffin Park next year, and then we can call that <laughs> the Massimo Luongo arena when he <laughs> when he puts someone into Rose Ed. <laughs> Excellent, guys. Thank you very much for that. We'll end it there. Um, Brentford um, away at QPR on Monday night. Uh, Tom and Phil will both be there. Um, all your latest news will be on GetWestLondon.co.uk, and we are back for another Spirit of '67 next week. <laughs>